if you really want to win in advertising and marketing, you need to enter the conversation that's already happening in the prospect's mind. I do think we live in also the greatest era of mentorship. Never before in human history with podcasts, with this podcast, with getting to hang out with you who, who are very successful and you've gotten the results. Like this is an insane opportunity with YouTube channels, with online courses, with webinars, with live events, with virtual events, with summits, with books. You can make a decision today to get into the right rooms and listen to the right resources to level up and be mentored. The creator who understands the viewer best wins. Guys, welcome to my new podcast, Getting Chatty with Platy. Now, the idea of this podcast is going to be a multi-platform series, sometimes uploaded to YouTube, sometimes just an IG Live, talking to people I have a genuine interest in, not just within the online business space, but people from all walks of life, from elite academics to compelling authorities within their field of expertise. Now, what I'm trying to do with these podcasts is cut the ship from regular mundane business podcasts, where it's all about your favorite business books and self-help, and what we're going to be jumping into is is the minds of entrepreneurs and what truly makes them successful. Now, today's guest is Sean Cannell, YouTuber, video marketing expert, and importantly, owner of Think Media, which is an online education company similar to myself, actually, that focuses on helping entrepreneurs build their business through video creation. So, Sean, thank you so much for being here. Are you ready to get chatty with Platy today? Jordan, I am fired up. Dude, I'm so chatty. I'm so platy. Like, I'm ready to just grind. Let's go. Love that, love that. Sean, for the benefit of everyone, I'm sure everyone already knows who you are, but can you give us a rundown of what got you to where you are today and a little bit about what you're doing right now? Yeah, so, you know, today we, uh, I'm running a team of about 13 people. We're about to double our staff, multiple seven-figure company. Um, started by shooting videos in my bedroom and started a YouTube channel. Today it's events, courses, the number one best-selling book on YouTube strategy, audiobooks, um, JV relationships, affiliate marketing, um, a, big, a lot of affiliate marketing with tech, and we are kind of like a niche tech company for content creators, lighting and cameras. So it's, it's grown into quite a dynamic business. Um, I mean, it was a loaded question, uh, how did I get here today? But uh, I think um, that's probably what we'll unpack throughout the podcast. But I think uh, by you know having a vision, um, going through some really hard seasons, um, not quitting, you know, consistency. Um, and uh, it's been quite the journey. Again, college dropout, small town kid, um, and tapped into this opportunity that we are presented with now that the internet and free platforms and social media and low cost tools have made it uh, made it never, there's never been a better time in human history to really be an entrepreneur, uh, tap into the tools and the opportunities that we have. And I've been kind of riding that wave and trying to figure it out over the past 10, 15 years. That's amazing, man. And I understand you're a fellow uh, marketing agency owner yourself or content agency, probably more so. And a lot of my audience are marketing agency owners or service-based business owners. And so we're going to dive a little bit into that side of your business today, which I think people are really going to benefit from. But I understand on your rise, you've, you've stated online that you found your dad and your stepdad to be great mentors starting off when you first started in business. And for people out there with no personal mentors, where would you say the best places to look initially for support and guidance from others? Yeah, you know, that's a funny story. I want to write a book someday, maybe not, but I, I have been influenced by the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm. And um, that was a phenomenal book, of course, on personal finance and, and understanding, even moving from an employee to a self-employed to a business to an investor type of mindset. Um, but I wanted to write a book called uh, Creative Dad, Hard-Ass Dad, because <laughs> Um, I was, my mom got married to my first dad. They got divorced at, 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 when I was three and it was actually pretty, pretty terrible stuff. I mean, he was getting into some drugs and wasn't providing, but it wasn't doing a lot of things that he should have been doing. Wasn't paying child support. Once I was living with a single mom in a basement in my early childhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, however, we have a great relationship today and there was visitation and he's always kind of been a starving artist but he's been an amazing artist. He's truly great at art, woodworking, creativity. And I think as entrepreneurs, we do need that creative side. And it's not just for the art video creator type of people. We all need to be creative, creative solutions to problems, creativity. 
But creativity without discipline and creativity without execution will never get you very far. So when my mom remarried, she married Phil Eskelin, my stepdad, and he was my hard ass dad. And on the flip side, he was like, uh, do the, you know, the hard thing, make no excuses. I remember one time I was riding my Huffy bike and there was like this, this ditch. And I just kind of got this vision that I was going to be like, you know, some kind of a famous motocross guy and just like hop over this ditch. And I went full speed on my Huffy bike, like, you know, hitting the, uh, the pedals. And I just, I didn't jump the thing at all. I just went head first right into it, hit my head on a rock. I start to cry. I start to, you know, I'm like losing my, I'm like seven and a half. And, and my dad just goes, shut up, stop crying. I mean, that gives you an idea of who Phil Eskelin is. Yeah. And I, and I stopped crying. I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, I guess, you know, he's like, stop being a wimp, you know, but that, Kind of, I, I was, if I had just had, I know this is, can be hard when we're growing up. If I actually never got that other side of like the grit it takes in entrepreneurship, the worth that work ethic it takes. Um, and I really got that from him, maybe even to an extreme because today I'm building for lifestyle and I'm building for my family. I'm, I have a four month old son now. And so I've learned so much from both dads. And I think it's the combination you need, the creativity and the discipline. Um, but just like you said, maybe some people are saying like, well, good for you. You know, I grew up in the foster system or I didn't have a parent or I didn't, you know, and, and with that, I do think we live in also the greatest era of mentorship. Never mm -hmm. before in human history with podcasts, with this podcast, with getting to hang out with you who's, who are very successful and you've gotten the results. Like this is an insane opportunity with YouTube channels, with mm -hmm. online courses, with webinars, with live events, with virtual events, with summits, with books. I think that we, if we have the will, then we can find a way to get mentored through people's resources. And I've also learned that as you maybe even start an interview podcast, it's part of my journey too early on. I've done a lot of different interview shows. I started being able to ask questions and really iron sharpens iron, get mentored from others. So it could be, I want to be empathetic to different situations that are out there, but never uh, you know, let those excuses hold you back. You can find a way to get around people that can level you up, help you. It could also be an internship. That was a big one for me. Put yourself in environments. It could be a job. Who do you want to work for? What CEO would you love to work for? What company would you love to work for? All of those things are going to mentor you and you can make a decision today to get into the right rooms and listen to the right resources to level up and be mentored. Yeah, 100%. I cannot agree with you more. And as you were saying this, I'm just been thinking about what are the things in my life would have been the, of the hard-ass side and then the creative side of things. Because to be honest, like in my family network, I think I've just been surrounded by the whole creative side, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because I, I took the hard side of life when I made my own mistakes like growing up and made my own mistakes in business. And so my, my mum introduced me to acting and encouraged me to go to acting classes from a young age. I was a massive introvert and I, and I genuinely believe that I turned myself from an introverted person to someone who's, who's relatively extroverted now through that acting classes. Equally, my dad was a drawer, um, not, through, not through trade, but just through passion and he just enjoyed doing it and teaching us when we were children. But when I then had failures in business, it kind of taught me the hard side of things and the harsh reality. But I think that creativity initially and being surrounded by that creativity allowed me to take what I didn't see as risks initially. You kind of, as a creative person, you just want to dive into things and jump in something new and jump in something new. And I think then you can find out about the harder side of life yourself. You learn through your own mistakes. And so I think with anyone who's watching this, if you want to seek both sides of that, okay? But, but I think what's actually more important is to seek creativity rather than harsh realities because harsh reality will come to you once you've, once you've done the creative bit. So I, can, I could not agree more with you. And again, with the YouTube and, and podcast, and, and quite selfishly, I'm gonna ask you some questions today that I just wanna pick your brain on. This is my opportunity to get, some, to get some advice from you and find out what you've done within your agency as well because you've built such a highly successful agency. And that's what I want to move on to now. I want to dive a little bit into your business building process. But initially, before we do, just looking at some, 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 some high level kind of outside in stuff, what would you say are your biggest successes or your best success that comes to mind within the business and also the biggest challenge that you've faced as well whilst building? So biggest successes were number one, finding like one thing that like really works and working it. 
Um, there's a, there's an Australian clothing brand. I'm six one. I'm kind of a lanky slender guy. It's called the, the brand is called Zane robe and they were doing Q and a on Instagram. And someone asked, uh, what, uh, if I was going to start a clothing brand, what would you do? And they said, make one thing and make it awesome. Like design one product, some innovation on like a beanie, some innovation on a hoodie. They got really known for these kind of more luxury streetwear type jogger pants. Now they have everything, but they really started with that one thing. And so for me, I had to find leverage as a solopreneur, as, a, as in the side hustle season. And I was studying YouTube and I was studying affiliate marketing. And I discovered that YouTube is a search engine. So I wanted to go deep on the fact that 65% of people go to YouTube asking specific questions. And I learned that if I could create a video today, someone could still find it and watch it tomorrow. And then I asked, how could I monetize that? But how could I monetize that in a very scalable way, which is affiliate marketing? Because then I don't have to do customer service, shipping or fulfilling. So when I have a few hours of side hustle time, if I make a video and I get good at making videos and I get good at ranking them in search and finding out how to kind of crack the YouTube algorithm and those are connected to a way to monetize, in this case, tech reviews and someone can click my Amazon link and if they purchase something, then I get paid. Then I have leverage to create capital to grow the next thing. So it wasn't even just find your one thing, but also find your shortest path to revenue. So my thought is like, cash is king, man. How You need ca cash flow and you need revenue. You need money for the mission. So step one, get some money. And unless you get funded and I bootstrap the whole thing. So unless, unless you're doing some kind of funding, I bootstrap yeah. the whole thing. So I was like, how do I get enough for me? And then how do I get more than enough so I can start reinvesting in the business? And I kept it yeah. super lean and invested every single dollar. So that was the... Uh, that was kind of the initial idea, which allowed, and then meanwhile, it was giving me scale because I'm not only growing, I'm actually growing my influence and I'm growing my income and it's like a snowball effect. And originally I built a six figure income from Amazon associates program in profit. That's from talking about tech and about half the stuff when someone clicks your link that they buy, it's not even something you recommended. It's just Amazon's the everything store. And that's kind of how that works. But without going into that, I did that first and then, you know, that was around five, $6,000 a month from Amazon. Now we make 30, $40,000 a month in Amazon, just in wow. profit. We yeah. make 30,000 a month in YouTube ads, but that's the smallest part of our business because we've yeah. built out other products, but I wanted to have like leverage first. And I was, I was kind of growth hacking influence and income instead of locking myself away in a room to try to create a product or, or something. And then I think number two was, really creating something that worked like a real system, a, a repeatable system, testing it in a different, in a lot of different ways, on a lot of different YouTube channels. And then number two is I created an online course out of that experience. It's always been my passion to be a player coach. I've truly done this stuff. Didn't make six figures, you know, on online courses about selling online courses, which not trying to hate on that, but I just wanted to play a different route. And I really had a YouTube system. I really cracked the code on YouTube, really had the results in affiliate marketing. And then I taught that. And my friend, Pat Flynn told me once, you know, I can make 30,000 a month in online courses, teaching people how I made $3,000 a month in say affiliate marketing. And he did yeah. smart passive income. So uh, then that was like the next thing, which gave us more scale. And then the, so it's probably, you know, number one is like really find something that works. Number two, find the shortest path to revenue and reinvest every dollar. Mm -hmm. And then number three is then teamwork, man. Teamwork makes the dream work without yeah. question. My greatest success now is the people around me shifting into more leadership, more teamwork, uh, and, and, you know, becoming a person and a leader that could attract high level leaders, uh, you know, being willing to share in whether that's, you know, the way things are structured. And that's, well, I mean, the kind of the person, our C-suite is myself, my wife, who's a CFO and Heather Torres, who's chief operation officer. And she is insane digital. I mean, she's ran a couple million dollars in ad spend for us. Uh, yeah. she's a content creator. She's lethal. She's we're you know, we're, we're both like high level leader entrepreneurs. She could go make it on her own making it, it, it attractive enough and powerful enough and casting enough vision and working through relational issues to really create a synergy where when she started working for us, she was working for free actually. Cause I'm talking wow. back, like I had 15,000 subscribers. Now I have 1.5 million, but being having enough vision and she worked just on performance based before there was anything coming in. So about six months for free did pretty well the first year on some side money 
a little bit of a hybrid approach the second year. Now she's freaking crushing because she saw the vision and we've sort of built things together and we've added others, others to it. We did profit share with our company this year um, as far as with our team members and then with different content creators and whatnot, because now we're multiple content creators. We're thinking about that. You know, it is, it's all about teamwork. It's all mm -hmm. about the team you get around you. And uh, you know, one is too small of a number for real greatness. So it usually is going to start with one. It, it's usually going to start when no one else is rooting you on, when you're by yourself, when you're trying to just get ramen profitable. And that was my first couple steps. But then immediately I, I uh, you know, started to reinvest that in, into scale, into team. And I also think the overarching principle of all three would also be delayed gratification. I think the number one thing that, uh, that hurts most is is this microwave kind of mentality of I want it, I want it now, um, and, and trying to kind of get yours, which is fine. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but delayed gratification, meaning uh, to sacrifice in that side hustle season, I was giving up you know, certain weekends or hobbies or other things. I was willing to hustle after my day job to work on my dream job. Then once I started, once I started getting pretty good money, I could have stayed biggish in some people's minds, but yeah. it still would have been small compared to where we are today. But I was like, dude, we don't got to get, I don't got to get a freaking car. I don't got to get a different house. I'm still living in the same house that we just paid cash for, you know, I mean, it was only like 380 grand in, uh, in Las Vegas, but you know, I don't, I don't got to scar face it out yet. And what I've seen is the scale we've hit by reinvesting those dollars into people, into sharing that, that if you actually share the pie, you end up creating a 10x larger pie that can be shared around. And, and we're still only scratching the surface of that in year five of business. So those are just a few thoughts. Amazing. Um, and, and I love that you, you said that a couple of your team members actually used to, or, or even just the one was, was working for you for free before she then developed into such a, a huge integral part of your company. Because the same thing happened with me. We had two people within our team who, who worked for us for free initially, did free work for us, reached out. And one of them now owns 50% of one of our companies. And, and the other guy is going to be a managing director of one of the other companies. He's, he's, that is the path that he's on. And I think that there's, there's two things to learn from that. Number one, it's, it's when you have influence you, and you build like a brand, people take it seriously. And that's why I always say it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you need to build some kind of a brand or some kind of a presence around that because you can leverage that to more than just getting customers, way more than that. Just the whole team and the kind of, talent that you attract to the people that are willing to sacrifice their time for you for free just to be part of something that you are building and also it's just having that platform that you can then use and leverage to to sell to and build your company did you did your businesses were your businesses founded from the influence that you built on youtube so did the youtube and the, and the content come first before the business or did the business come what, what i'm trying to work out is was the business yeah. founded through the content yeah, the the business, the YouTube content came first, and I mean, mm. this is this has been a real entrepreneurship ride. Like, take off and paint the plane while flying, or jump off the cliff and like try to build a parachute on the way down. Yeah, um, you know, and I think the vision has gotten bigger. I think you know, I was I was in a mastermind with like Ryan Dice, digital marketer, and some other people, and he said, interestingly enough, this is kind of a rabbit trail, but I'll come back. He said the greatest vulnerability to a business scaling is the founder. Mm -hmm. He said, usually when you're the founder, you, you know, I mean, I started shooting videos in my bedroom. What the heck do I know about being a CEO of 13 people about to be 26, you know, trying to figure it out. So, so it's interesting because we are an S corp here in the U S um, but we only became a, like a, an official entity. I want to say mid 2019, like really late. Like we, we'd done seven figures before we, uh, halfway through the year that we, I think we're doing seven figures or like near 2 million was we were becoming an entity that kind of is a reflection of my, of my personality. I mean, mind you, uh, like as far as the U S goes, you only need really need a limited liability company just to protect yourself legally. You can yeah. still take tax deductions and write, you know, things off, but nowhere near, you know, we have self-employment tax and not to get into all of that. But yeah. to your point, I have been, Maybe irresponsibly so, but I still would be a principle that I'd recommend. I have been disproportionately focused on getting massive results first of like getting influence first of getting momentum first and then organizing chaos rather than trying to like over program 
something that's not even alive yet. I've had mm -hmm. friends that are like, I want to start a business. So they print business cards, get LLCs, you know, set up websites, set up branding. I mean, arguably our branding could use a lot of help. Like I, to this day, I've never gotten the right colors or, you know, and we, I think our branding is pretty sick, but you know, like I just, we've never, we've been kind of a, a just paint the plane as we go. And we just got off a meeting actually about what the new era of that looks like. Yeah. So even as we are now, you know, a ways along, now I got attorneys and like, you know, higher level CPAs and things are like, you know, set up right. Um, I still feel like we're just starting. I actually think that even this next year, like, I'm like, it's actually when we're going to like start, like, you know, it's kind of like, we're sort of figuring things out right now. And as we go into year six, that's when with everything I've learned and the mistakes I've made, uh, when things will kind of kick off. So anyways. No, I, I think, I think that's something really important that you, you just said is that you, you always make sure that you're you'll be paying into the future. And I know you just said that just a bit, a bit ago, but it was, it's been dwelling on my mind because I, I, I for one actually put my hands in the air. My first two years of business had a bit of quick success and I, I spent and, and, and I'm shame, shamelessly spent, but because I, I think I never, I never in any part of my life experienced true materialism. And, I, and as soon as I did that, I kind of, I fulfilled that fantasy and I, I don't know, I no longer look for what is next. And I think a lot of people in the YouTube space, especially in our business where it sells to, it's, it, it, it's good for you to sell lifestyle, right? And so you don't sell lifestyle in your content. Uh, and I don't really sell lifestyle in my content either. I don't, I don't necessarily leverage lifestyle to, to sell my products or my services. But I think that so many people are learning from others online that are leveraging that lifestyle and therefore they think they need everything now as well. Like you said, that microwave mentality, which I really like and that's on the steal that. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's really important for people to understand that you don't need everything right now. And you, you, if you build that team, if you focus on reinvesting in a world of where, where the more you spend on ads, the more you're going to generate. I think the most important thing is you need to make sure you keep your keeping revenue back to reinvest into the business, to build that team. Because ultimately, like since we've, since we've built our team and, and, and likewise, like what you were just saying, like your team is everything. And once you have them behind your brand and what you're trying to achieve, then you can, you can, you can do incredible things and opportunities will be presented to you. Just similar to you, my, my, actually in my business I launched before my YouTube channel was my marketing agency. We were very small time when I launched the, the YouTube channel. I actually launched a channel to document the journey of that marketing agency for the benefits of other people. And then that opened up into our education company. Then it opened up to this year launching an additional uh, ads training business. And those opportunities would have never come to my desk if I hadn't of started creating content and putting things out there. And I mean, obviously you're a huge advocate of content. Your, your channel was featured in Forbes for being one of the 20 must YouTube channels that will change your business. So that's pretty, that's pretty impressive claim to fame there. But I want to know what you think specifically about your content makes it so relatable to aspiring entrepreneurs. Because a lot of people try to do what we do. And whilst your channel has tenfold the subscribers that we do right now, we've managed to build this bit of influence within the entrepreneurship space. But I'm interested to know what is it that separates you to everybody else who is just getting started in entrepreneurship, trying to relate to people with their videos? Yeah, you know, uh, that's a really fascinating question. I think I will admit uh, when I started helped, I mean, I think we have to always recognize that uh, if you're a fast mover, there's opportunity there. I think for the, the current-ness of this podcast, I think people should be paying attention to like YouTube shorts because YouTube shorts is YouTube's way, is YouTube's reaction to TikTok and TikTok is so healthy and established. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going away and everyone's doing shorts. So, so all that to say is there's something about acting, you know, and moving fast. Um, but a couple of principles that have really helped me I heard a quote a while back called moving the free line and mm -hmm. speaking about giving away like just your best information for course creators. Um, it also depends on like what you're going to create, but like I have an online course I've learned the cool thing for, for me, I've just learned this 
in hindsight now is that YouTube is complicated enough that even if I give away hours of content, there's still like enough of needing uh, a step-by-step, -step, you know, uh, hold my hand and help me get this right. But I've learned that like, no, it's moving the free line. If you want your content to stand out in a world of noise, what is like the very best thing you could give away where someone truly goes, well, you're not like an echo, but you're a voice because you really fi you figure something else and you're sharing the best stuff. Um, and so the overarching idea, Jordan, is like really um, an insane pursuit of mastery and a zero sense of entitlement that like, I kind of actually learned it this way. Um, I, I have best in a lot of my titles, best camera for YouTube, best microphone for YouTube, best lighting for YouTube. Those videos have done really well. The question though, is it's not a tactic. It could be of like, oh, I'm trying to, to get someone to click on this so that they click on the lighting and I make a sale. The, the deeper question is, is it really the best camera for YouTube? Now, of course, that's maybe subjective, but I consider it my responsibility to climb to the top of Mount Everest in tech to say, I'm saying it's the best camera for YouTube. Therefore, I've empathetically tried to understand my audience. I'm not saying it's the best camera for filmmaking. I know what YouTube creators want or like an entrepreneur that's shooting in his home office that just wants to like flip on the, I know my audience. That's, I think that's important. The creator who understands the viewer best wins. That's, mm -hmm. I mean, that we get into that in a second. Like that's another reason why my content I think has done well is I think a lot of people have a curse of knowledge. They're disconnected. They're answering questions people aren't asking. So an understanding of your target audience, that's, there's old school, I forget, marketer talked about if you really want to win in advertising and marketing, you need to enter the conversation that's already happening in the prospect's mind. I think a yeah. lot of people create content they don't even know who they're talking to really or they're, they're making, maybe creating selfish content. Mm -hmm. Not that they are selfish, but they're just not actually thinking about making it service and making it for the audience. Yeah. But those are some of the principles. And I think though, uh, the way to sum it up is in the last even six months, I, I noticed the, the amount of like YouTube gurus forexed and I'm not insecure because not only do I've got a head start, now we got a team, but also I'm not apathetic or complacent every single day. Like the author of, from Intel, the CEO, the former CEO of Intel wrote a book said only the paranoid survive. I live my life in peace, but I stay paranoid in business. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it was, I need to uh, just continually pursue greater levels of mastery. And my, my friend Peter Boog said that too. When you give away your best stuff, it actually forces you to level up because you just gave all your best stuff away. So you need to go learn something new. And in the last six months, my level of reading Google articles, studying the news related to YouTube, studying my analytics, talking to experts or friends and peers in YouTube on Clubhouse, staying in my niche, Reading and studying marketing. If you really want to be good at writing YouTube titles, you should be writing some, reading some of the classic books on copywriting or headlines. It's the exact yep. same thing in a new world. So, and, 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 and that's the kind of stuff my peers don't even do. Like, they, I mean, it's, I kind of, I sort of learning from adjacent industries. So sometimes people stay only in their industry, but I think, okay, not only am I learning deep in my industry, but how am I also expanding outside of my industry to try to pull things into yep. my industry my friend, Shalene Johnson, um, early on, she has a world record for selling Turbo Kick and Turbo Jam and Pio, all these fitness DVDs and fitness infomercials. And early on, all of the fitness workouts were very professional. Everyone was like, welcome to the workout and it's time to get into it. And she saw from like some uh, funniest home videos and these different, um, you know, America's Funniest Home Videos and these shows that had bloopers. She thought like, what if I brought more behind the scenes and real and raw and bloopers into my content? That doesn't seem crazy today. It was crazy 25 years ago. And, and she broke out because she learned something from outside of her industry and brought it into her industry. And that's probably summarized in lifelong leaders are lifelong learners and never getting complacent when you've reached a level of success. So I think it's starting by trying to figure out what's your niche, what's your one thing, how can you kind of be different and specialize uh, in something. But then also like, it's, it's sort of overly simplified. 
if it's going to be the best camera for YouTube, have you done your research to actually know it's the best answer to that question? You're always building your reputation with every piece of content. So I treat it really serious. And I'll be, and, and this sounds intense. This, this is my maturity over the time. I've always kind of tried to do this. As the stakes get higher, I notice my need to get stronger. And so I just continually, continually try to up, up, my, up level, you know, and pursue mastery when it comes to content. Because there is a lot of noise out there. There's no doubt about it. Of course. So when, when you're creating content, are you creating content with ranking on search terms in mind all the time? Or do you sometimes create videos which are just reserved for your subscribers that you know aren't going to rank anywhere? You're exactly right. I mean, all you have to do, number one, is always ask yourself, what's the point of this video? It's yeah. who is this video for and what is the mission of this video? Yeah. Um, if possible, if I could create it with ranking in mind, I would. But if I, we just need to announce that our conference growth video live is coming up soon, we upload the conference trailer. The point is, what's the point of the video? Well, that's for subscribers that may want to come. Maybe mm -hmm. we could position that better and advertise better, but that would be kind of just a more strategic approach. And to be clear, the number two traffic source, biggest traffic source on YouTube is search. The number one biggest traffic source is recommendations or suggested. So I'm always creating videos also considering that sometimes it might be like how to use LinkedIn 2021 LinkedIn tutorial, like, like your video four days ago. The mm -hmm. other time it might be one weird trick for hacking the YouTube algorithm. It's not search based. You're after click through rate and average view duration to try to get that in the YouTube algorithm. Both work. Mm -hmm. um, the suggested and recommendation type videos are more like the swing for the fences. And if they don't actually, but if they don't work, then they may not have as uh, of a long, they might just kind of die over time because your subscribers love it. They click on it, but it never breaks out past, past that. So it's, that's sort of the home run strategy is to try to go big and have like your thumbnail and like get it suggested and, and try to like be viral in your niche, like be viral in marketing or like Facebook ads tips or something. But on the flip side, which by the way, we see those videos, it might be like, you know, such and such ad strategy produced X dollars and it's kind of in the thumbnail and you see that one video that's recommended to everybody that's in like yeah. Facebook ads. That's like, that's a, if you can make a great video and sometimes that's just serendipity to a point, obviously there's math behind it. Mm -hmm. But the, what I like about the search is sometimes the short term results are not sexy, but those are the type of videos that when you build up a library of them and we do, so we do both today, you know, six months later, eight months later, they're still getting, 20 views a day, which is insane leverage as you build up, you know, that library. So I, I couldn't agree more that, that I think it's really important to create videos with what you're trying to achieve in mind. And, and I think that with my channel, a lot of people, cause we, we I mean, we grew, I'm, I, I'm not sure at what rate you grew your channel. I'm pretty sure it's quick. Cause you got in, you get it, you, you got in early. I remember like when I first launched my channel, I watched like you had a best lighting video for like YouTube videos. And it was like, I, I watched that and I bought some lights off Amazon that you recommended. And so you've been in for a long time. You've been nested. And, but I launched my channel, I'd say, I'd say about two years ago now, we hit about 140,000 subscribers at this point. Um, but, and the thing that my channel grew off like four videos, like it was like four videos that were well nested in the algorithm, which just got a shit ton of views. And I think we ranked number one still for Facebook ads, but number one for social media marketing. And those videos are get all, almost all of our subscribers. And, and, and it's also the suggested videos as well. I mean, I think it's something ridiculous, like 80% of our traffic comes from YouTube suggested because of obviously our click-through rate and our thumbnails and everything like that. And so I think when there are new start personal brands out there, they need to be able to create videos with keywords in mind, with um, click-through rates and uh, an element of clickbaitiness, but I'm not a massive fan of clickbait because I think you can upset your audience if you do it too much. Um, but yeah, I like a channel can pop just with a couple of videos. So I, I don't know if it's the same with you. Yeah, 100%. And here's just kind of a, a sick little mid podcast uh, hack. Um, your third most viewed video uh, on how to start social media marketing as a beginner is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, delete um, the 2019. You don't need to say that it's 2021 because obviously the video is old, but change the title to just how to, how to start social media marketing as a beginner dash step-by-step -step training. So you're going to delete in 2019. But what you might want to do is consider putting 2021 in the thumbnail because it'll actually get more attention or just take mm. 2019 out of the thumbnail and, and actually redo the thumbnail because your new ones are a little uh, sexier and <laughs> 
And then, and then it's still getting three views an hour, but there's going to be a lot of hesitation on that two-year-old video. So I did an overhaul. I don't share this anywhere. So this is just money for this podcast. Same. Same. But like we, we just do a refresh again. We don't necessarily position it in the new year, but we surely delete that. We delete the dated information and because all the thumbnails are saved, sometimes it's easy to just either just delete the year off and leave the other words. Yeah. Or a lot of times I will change the thumbnail to the new year because the content, it would still be relevant. So does it, does it negatively impact your ranking? Selfish question. On, uh, on, if you change the thumbnail, change the title on a video that's already nested in the algorithm. It does not. So number one, it doesn't negatively affect your ranking to change the thumbnail that YouTube won't even know. Like they'll know based on click-through rate and engagement signals, but you could test thumbnails all day long. Um, as far as changing your title, it's kind of a, it's actually kind of an outdated belief that it changes ranking. Sure. Google indexes the video, um, et cetera, but it's always about current metrics. Is the video yeah. being served and when it's served, is it getting clicked on? And when it's getting clicked on, is it getting watch time? So a dead video is kind of hard to revive, but to that point, if the title is better and when someone is served with that title and they click on it. So I change titles, not a lot, but I definitely change them when they're needed and I don't hesitate to change a title. And, um, and that video is getting three views an hour. So even just making a, pivot on it, you wouldn't necessarily need to do anything else, but there might be something about sharing it on your community tab and just saying, man, this classic from a few, like this video, uh, you know, these strategies are so fundamental. People really need these strategies in 2021. Mm -hmm. You put a little boost to it, get it going and then let YouTube, you know, uh, do its thing with it. And I put that, these things on my calendar. So we just did it as we flipped into the new year. And um, it doesn't take long. It takes about 60 minutes to go through all your videos when you have a system and just kind of make sure there's nothing dated on any con. I mean, if content is like, like I interviewed Mari Smith on like Facebook strategies for yeah. a particular year. Well, I just, I don't care. I mean, cause that was her strategies for that year. It's like very year based, but some stuff is in a way much more evergreen and that's the power of YouTube. And I've seen videos come back to life because of course the person goes, Oh, it's not new. It's not fresh. Yeah. But even if you just take the data away from it and let it just be evergreen advice, that's, that'll be, yeah, it's a cool little I, hack. I appreciate that, man, because I've always, I've always wondered what kind of effect that would have. So would you recommend in that case, like I've got some, as you said, I've got some, some old thumbnails and I kind of got this, we kind of found out what really works with our click-through rate with our thumbnails now-ish. And so would you recommend once you hit that sweet spot and for any benefit of anybody else who's watching this, if, if they were to go back and change all their thumbnails on their old video, you would say that that would negatively impact, impact. In fact, it would probably have a more positive impact because they get a better click-through rate on the thumbnails that look more up-to-date. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Those videos are essentially a dead asset and you've just revived that asset that you put a lot of energy into. And, and, and it's an 80-20 rule because, I mean, again, some of them might be just kind of average, like, you know, but you're like, that. that was really good. Like... Um, what we do is it's, we also would then put it kind of into a part of our strategy is, uh, always sharing our newest content, like on social and like letting our list know or whatever. But also we have this whole other strategy of resharing the old hits because we do make a lot of videos that are meant for, to be evergreen. And you're, we're always getting new subscribers. In our case, we're getting 40,000 a month. Mm -hmm. So, so even like your community tab, um, and your email list, like I, I kind of, I noticed this from like Bob Proctor, like if anyone yeah. like kind of a, you know, think and grow rich guy or whatever, but I like, mm -hmm. I opted into something and I noticed he sent me an email with like a good head, like a good email subject line, whatever. And then it was like, click here. And I clicked on the video. It just took me to YouTube. It was <laughs> a four year old video from Bob Proctor, man. <laughs> and I wasn't mad. Like I was like, Oh, okay. Sick. And then I was like, dude, he's got a freaking drip sequence. Growth hacking is videos that are also doing well. Yeah. So I think it's a good kind of rabbit trail of just um, audit your YouTube library if you've been doing this for a while. Consider yeah. how you could revive and re-promote the best of your library and the best of the best. Like your top 10, is, because of the 80-20 rule, you should be constantly re-sharing your very best stuff in service of the audience. New subscribers don't know that like you already answered that question or whatever. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, a couple of thoughts.
Right, that makes that, that makes perfect sense. It's literally something we do not do at all. So <laughs> that's going to be a big help. And I'm going to send that over to Dan, who's a content manager, as soon as we get off this call before we've even had time to edit and upload. So I, I appreciate that so much. And, and you just mentioned Clubhouse as well. And I'm interested to know your thoughts on Clubhouse because um, I, I, I've actually been, uh, shamefully, I'm a, I'm a social media marketer who's been shying away from the new social media marketing platform, right? Because I've been thinking, right, I've got, it, I've got an account, I had an invite, and I've created it, and I've just sat there. And actually, from our marketing agency, our Facebook ads agency, um, Joe and Tom, two of our top guys in the agency, have already had, had a Clubhouse um, chat and whatever they're called. And we signed up two clients from that, and they only spent about an hour on that. And they were high-ticket clients paying us multiple thousands on a monthly basis on retainer. And so there's obviously the value there. I'm jumping on my first Clubhouse uh, chat next week, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have that, and hopefully that'll be fun. What are your thoughts on the platform, Clubhouse? Where do you see it going? Because I think there's a lot of talk of people being like, okay, it's just full of gurus. There's a bit of low-quality traffic on there. But are people buying? Are these good people to speak to? Is this a valuable networking proposition? What are, what are your thoughts on the platform? Yeah, I think there's, there's pros and cons. I think, number one, uh, I don't know this intimately, but from people I know and what I've heard, the investors in it are super serious. So it's this very serious platform. I think mm -hmm. there are over 2 million users now. Um, oh. And I think that it has a real shot. Uh, maybe uh, to put it this way, the people I trust, Michael Stelzner, social media examiner, and lots of friends, uh, I trust the depth they've gone to, my friend Brian Fanzo, in, in saying this is a real deal, it's going to be big. So I, I take some of that and I, I kind of uh, roll with that too. I think that um, another friend of mine, he's in network marketing uh, and then we're in a mastermind together. He's getting crazy, like clients. It's growth hacking his Instagram because you connect mm -hmm. your Instagram. Um, it's going amazing for him. And they survey, another friend, uh, Stacy. She, she does a survey when people sign up. I think it's a course or it's a, some kind of agency service. Just how'd mm -hmm. you hear about us? And one of the survey questions is Clubhouse. So she's even tracking. So, um, sure. It depends maybe on your niche. It depends on uh, other things, you know, I've heard on kind of the con side, it's, they kind of call it like the cool kids club. It's kind of like high school and you know, the cool kids are on stage and everyone else listening or whatever. You got to maybe got to ask who, you know, I've seen that clubhouse for me. Um, if you could get on there and speak, that's the kind of the key. If you could get on there and be on stage. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've seen that the level of relationships I've invested into like pre pandemic it rapidly accelerated me on the platform. Not only did I have pre-existing influence and trust and authority, but because I, I'm just like, I, I, it occurred to me the other day, man, when we were back at conferences, I built all these relationships. So I pop in a room and I'm like, these are, these are like, now I, I'm my, I have a snowball effect there versus maybe somebody else. So you're auditing your own resource resources and how you're starting. Um, I also do think it's at a strategic time where the conference is not happening. And I've even yeah. thought the other night it kept me up way too late, but I was like, I, I would have been in the hotel lobby if we were at a, a YouTube conference doing yeah. this exact same thing. Yeah. So reminding that I haven't left my house, you know, like because of the, you know, whatever. And so, so there, there's some of those, I think the uh, cons also are, um, is it going to get stolen by, by Twitter uh, spaces? Uh, is it just going to be a, is it just a feature or is it really its own network? Mm -hmm. um, and I also think part of, uh, on the pro side, I don't know if it matters. I'm seeing enough ROI that even if it was a six month sprint, that the early adopterness, if you position right and it makes sense for your business, then yes. But the final overarching thing to your point, cause you're like, I haven't even really got on there yet. It's, it's what every single one of us as entrepreneurs need to remember. And that's focus, which stands for follow one course until successful focus. You got to ask, is this the best use of my time for where I'm at in my business right now? And so I, even me feeling torn with how much time you can invest there, seeing ROI and still trying to measure that. But on the flip side, dude, I got freaking 13 people working. I could do whatever I want. So I'm in a moment of leverage. A lot of people are listening, probably are. Others are not. For some, it's a distraction. For some, it is a shiny object. For some, oh my gosh, Elon Musk is on there talking to Mark Zuckerberg. Well, cool, dude. But like, you've got a lot of undone business. You need to go get the shortest path to revenue. So you got to yeah. audit the season that you're in. Um, audit maybe some systems you need to establish. Audit those things and then consider 
if it is right for you right now. Um, and, and consider if you're just kind of spinning your wheels. Again, as I land the plane on that, I'm seeing some of my peers who don't have the infrastructure I have team, like they're kind of still for lack of building a team or lack of leadership or who cares. They just, are, they're spending a ton of time there, by the way, they can do whatever they want. And like, and they're yeah. in that a place of autonomy as well. Mm -hmm. Like, so they might be at that level, but I think, bro, there's maybe higher leverage things you could be building. And I'm seeing you on there 12 hours a day now. I mean, again, I'm, I'm trying to be judgmental. I'm just observing is that the best use of your time right now for the season that you're in? But bottom line, I do think it, I really think it shouldn't be ignored if you can, if it's clear to you that like there's a, a path and a correlation to how, I mean, again, I, I, I would, it's all relative, but I think I'm at 4,300 followers when you're put on stage and, and, and you have friends that just turn you into a moderator. You don't even talk for like ever. You just start no. getting followers because people are looking at you. Is your bio optimized? Mm. Um, and, and that's, that's probably the final thing too. Is your business set up with some level of optimization, uh, automation? Can someone fill out a form or a survey or a quiz? Can someone download your checklist or mm -hmm. enter your funnel or whatever? And, and then do you have a proven sales process that is, I mean, I do. So even in terms, marketers ruin everything. At, we're noticing as maybe certain things are more challenging or if lead cost is whatever, and we're doing more YouTube ads and Facebook ads right now and whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, I'm like, this, I, I need to stay on, on the bleeding edge of this is actually for sure. It's fresh, it's new, it's early. It makes yeah. sense for me. So we're deploying a strategy there, uh, even to potentially compensate for a 2021 environment. And a lot of that's super early. That's just some ideas to throw into the, I mean, it's, it's yeah. we, I think it's, it's like barely over two months old. <laughs> I've been on there approaching a month. And so that's some initial thoughts. I'm in no way uh, trying to, nothing is worth chiseling in stone about Clubhouse yet. Of course. Um, but I think uh, those are some thoughts. Amazing. I think a lot of people are in the same boat, aren't they? And just kind of just working out, is this something I want to invest my time into? You just said that you spent, you're spending like 12 hours a day. And I've heard a lot of people saying that kind of thing. I've been spending, I spent 6,000 hours. I spoke to one of my friends, um, Ed Smith, the guy down in London, has got a really big education company. Um, they're doing multiple seven figures on a yearly basis for their business. And they're, they're more kind of uh, old school in the way that they, they're normally doing stage selling. And obviously they can't do that at the moment. So they're heavy on Clubhouse. He's spending a lot of time on there. And when you're doing that, are you still working like your normal day and then waiting until like a ping comes up to say, hey, it's your time to speak? Or are you listening actively throughout the entire day uh, until you can raise your hand and, and have something valuable to say? Number one, I am not spending 12 hours a day on Clubhouse. I'm watching my say, peers yeah. do, 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 do that at times. Number two, the other night, I ended up, I, I always go to bed at like ninth. I, I mean, I got a newborn. I get up early. I'm, I'm like winding down at 8.30. And usually like asleep by 10 or 10.30, reading in bed, put the baby down. The other night I was up to like 12.30. I felt like I was a maniac. Like I was like, look at me, man. What is this, the hangover too? Like what are we doing? Just because I got into a room. But, but also so much serendipity and magic can happen there. That's one of the reasons why. Like next thing you know, you know, my friend Lewis House pops in the room, a couple other people. Now there's mods. Now there was, we started with 75. In the later hours, there's 300 people in the room. Then you're kind of like, well, I can't leave this situation, you know, and then it's compounding. You're watching your followers go up. Like, you know, so when you get into those moments, it, the algorithm and the way things are going and potentially who you know and who you're on stage with, um, you know, next, uh, funny rabbit trail. The other day we go on this family walk on a Saturday. I told my wife I was going to go take a nap. She was like, cool. And then I went upstairs and got a clubhouse instead. And, and we were going to go a walk after, on, after my nap. And, and then she was like, hey, let's go on a walk now. And I was like, crap, because I just got put on this dope stage. And I was a moderator. So I put in, I had spoke already. I put in a Bluetooth, just one Bluetooth headphone. And I went on the walk and we're on, halfway through it. She goes, are you listening to something right now? Or are you listening? <laughs> and I didn't tell her. And dude, I got in so much trouble. And the funny thing was a couple of nights before she caught me hiding in the garage on Clubhouse at like 1045 at night when she needed help with the baby. So Clubhouse is ruining marriages, A, but B. Um, <laughs> and I and obviously I have a lack of self-discipline and I'm completely unwise. She goes, why don't you just communicate with me? And I'm trying to explain it to her. I'm like, well, I don't even know. Like these, you don't understand. I, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go on a walk. And I got modded as soon as you said that. And I was like, shoot. And she's like, well, you should have told me before we left. 
here's the point. Um, that's, I think, one of the reasons why people are kind of getting sucked into the, the vortex of it. H however, yes, my friend Brett uh, Kungston is, is crushing rooms. People are doing multiple devices. They're, you know, they're just chilling in rooms. It's who they know. They're sitting up there. I don't even know how to do the multiple device thing. I guess that means you could duplicate yourself so you could be in a couple different rooms. And some, some of these rooms, which seem, I don't like these rooms, actually. There's like 100 mods. I'm like, what the heck are we going to do here? Like, I don't even know what's going on. And like, yeah. there's a couple different people. However, the growth hackingness of that is you just sit on stage as a mod and as a speaker and there's a level of authority and it does grow your following. And then people look at your bio. And if you're really clear about how you help people, yeah. it can attract the right people to your biz. So yes, you do leave it on. Uh, bro, it's on. It's actually on right now. I'm in <laughs> YouTube secret strategies and new features. And I told them I was going on this thing with you. And I was like, uh, I handed over mods and I was going to leave the room. But then I was like, why, do, why should I leave the room? I'll, I'll keep growing while I'm, and then I'll, I'll just jump back in after this. It is kind of that weird addiction uh, that you're getting the full, this is the Clubhouse Anonymous meeting uh, with Patty. <laughs> you're not going to be in the, in the Clubhouse for long. You're going to be in the doghouse. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, so, so you'd say, just finally, because I'm, I'm conscious of time, man. I appreciate your time today. Look, just if you want to grow on the platform, we're saying you just need to get on stage. You just need to get recognized, give some value out there. And, and, and have people see who you are. Would you say that's the best way to grow on Clubhouse right now? I would also say that my friend Brett, he goes, dude, it's a grind. He goes, I've never seen a platform where there's no way to really fake it though. Because even if you kind of hack it and put an earbud in and don't talk for the hour mm -hmm. walk with your wife, um, you know, and then afterwards I was back in the room and I was engaging again, like whatever. And even like we're doing right now, which again, it's not a big deal. Like, Either way, I was just, I just thought I was like, I'm going to leave the, Why would I leave the room? Like I am, I started the room and then I was like, Hey, I forgot I had this. And so, but I'll be able to jump back in. So what's the point? It is, you got to put time in. You can't fake yep. your voice. You can't outsource it. You can't schedule the tweet out on Hootsuite or Buffer. So um, yes, I think you got to put the time on. And then of course there's tactics and strategies, but mm -hmm. it's leading with value. I think, um, I, others that are maybe even more aggressive in sales overall might say you can sell well there. You could do different things. I think that a well-optimized bio, the opportunity, you also can't fake it. Like when you go on audio and you answer a question, people real recognizes real people could be like, Oh, homie knows this stuff. Like that's, that's yeah. So therefore then if you are good at writing your bio and you have articulated mm -hmm. your value prop clear and you've humanized your bio to a point and you have clear call to actions or you take it to your DMS, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's just like good networking in general. You don't yeah. want it to be transactional. You want it to be relational. You want to be super patient. You actually want to have no expectations, but also have absolute intention, mm -hmm. knowing that you're trying to find the right people where there could be a win-win situation with the value you create in your business. And Clubhouse is an accelerator of that. And not only is it a great answer for right now when we are not doing meetings in, or, or things in person, but consider the fact that I have a four month old, I am absolutely implant, like the pandemic helped me prepare and clear my schedule and kind of reorient my priorities to like, dude, I just love being at home and I want to be home with my family. And I'm able to be in, in experiences like this where shoot, yeah, I can, I can invest four hours. That's not that long. If I didn't have to go on a plane, get a hotel room, be at a conference for three days. So I think it's also it's actually truly serving a powerful need and giving us a tool for making meaningful connections and relationships um, and, and then finding those strategic business partnerships. We're thinking about using it for a lot of things in regards to hiring. Thought it'd be interesting because we're about to do that, like to interview people kind of on stage and get a vibe so people can also hear our priorities and filter things. I don't know, just an experiment we're going to do. Of course, building the brand of, of I help people with YouTube. And so it, it's a vacuum. And there's other people doing it as well, but I, it, I, because I have a system and I have a business that's built and I have a process, you'd have to ask me, is it smart for me to be on YouTube or, or on Clubhouse? Are you kidding? New real estate and territory that I want to plant my flag to be the voice or one of the prominent voices on YouTube on Clubhouse. Um, that is, I think, wise. And I have no, I have no fear if, if again, Instagram, what Instagram did to Snapchat happens, 
um, the amount you're, the people you've heard from, we've already seen the correlation uh, just across the board. It's, we're trying to figure out how to measure it, but there's been some intangible things. Like we, we have a course called video Rakit Academy. And I think we're trying to do, uh, uh, 2021 units in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. It's a thousand dollar course. So that's, what is that Two. That's pretty good first quarter. Yeah. If we could hit yeah. that, yeah. uh, 2.2 million or something or two, yeah. 2 million, $21,000 or something. So, uh, we, um, we're already for some other reasons too, digital ads and everything. Right. But, but we, it just in the first couple of weeks before we did anything, we, the numbers were higher and the attribution, I was like, I've been hanging on clubhouse, adding value, spending time, answering people's questions, spending 45 minutes with people. And, and think about that. Like now them and people have heard my voice, heard how much I care, heard that I'm willing to help, seen that I'm good for it. So then it's, if you think about marketing and influence, Robert, don't know how to say his last name, Sindali or whatever. And then persuasion, it's almost, it's almost like what's happening you're having just this chance to vibe with people for them to really get to know you and hear the intimacy of your voice, kind of like a podcast in a real time that is live, that can't be faked. And then, and then if like, it's the perfect filter. Cause if they go, dude, I hate this guy's voice. I don't like his vibe. I don't like his style. I don't like his values. I don't like his story. Well, great. Then you've already disqualified. They're obviously not a good customer. But they're like, wow, there's kind of a vibe. Let me check his bio out. Like we saw book sales lift because that's a, such an easy, low friction point of our book, YouTube Secrets, yeah. in uh, January 2021. Um, and so, yeah, we're still trying to figure it out. But I do think, and, and so I would, landing the plane, like talking to you, Jordan, I think for you, it makes a ton of sense. And I yeah. think that everybody listening has to ask that question, is this the best use of my time right now? And for most people, I would challenge them that yes, maybe you want to get on the stage with somebody. You could turn on notifications for a particular speaker because it could be your shot in the door when they're on, you raise your hand, you get to talk to them. That's amazing. But alternatively, uh, my last con is I think leaders don't leave their learning like to being random. I don't, I don't, I don't like doing things that are random. I like doing things that are intentional. Mm-hmm. So I would rather buy a course that I can watch step one through 30 rather than just hope to pick up golden nuggets on clubhouse. Now, yeah. to be fair, there is something about when you leave your day-to-day routine and you go walk around and you do something random that inspires new creativity, but that's asking yourself, are you in a season of needing new creativity or are you in a season of needing lim- linear execution? And so, and then, you know, the final thing is by all means, uh, my friend, Brian put it this way he's seeing clubhouse replace Netflix. He's seeing clubhouse replace uh, cyberpunk 2077. Like, so he's, he's seeing that like actually because you're vibing with people. And so maybe you have your grind and you get your priorities done. Like my mom taught me do the hard thing first, but then Frick do whatever you want. It just, you know, in your, in your after hours or whatever. So it's all a matter of, of knowing what season you're in and uh, being disciplined as possible with that. I'm sold, man. Guys, you heard it here first. I'm, I'm going to be on Clubhouse. See you there. <laughs> go, go follow me on the platform. I'm sure I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what, what, what groups you're in. I'm going to raise my hand and, <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll chill out on, on, on Clubhouse. I'm, I'm feeling it. I, I think it sounds good. I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. going to see. And what I'll do for the benefit of everyone else here, because what I'm going to do is I'm actually going gonna, gonna to take this little snippet of the podcast here. I'm going to upload it in a separate video as well, because I think people benefit to hear the views on clubhouse and whether it's beneficial for business right now and so uh, i'll document to you guys i'll let you know um how i get on the clubhouse if we get any more sales on the agency and for the academy as well and for learn ads and uh, yeah i'll keep you guys updated on how profitable it is for me and of course go check out sean on, on clubhouse as well uh, sean i appreciate your time today man i've had such a great chat with you it's been really good to connect finally and um yeah i want everyone to know uh, where they need to find you if they want to find you what things you've got going on right now uh, so yeah stage yours man yeah jordan hey i appreciate that and love hanging out with your community and you as well and look forward to connecting more when you're in vegas hit me up i don't know if you ever come out to vegas uh but man we're out here let's double your money let's double your bitcoin you don't need to be in vegas to do that uh (laughs) but yeah i mean um sean cannell rhymes with youtube channel on all the social media platforms s-e-a-n-c-a-n-n-e-l-l Sean Cannell rhymes with YouTube channel. Hit me up. Yeah. If, if clubhouse is your thing, Twitter, if Instagram is your thing, 
I would love to connect there. I am uh, as active as possible in DMs and answering Twitter questions and stuff. So I'd love to help people. Um, you know, if people are thinking about getting on YouTube, I do think it is irresponsible for any serious entrepreneur with a miss mission and a message to not be on YouTube. Meanwhile, Jordan, why we trade our time, potentially for high impact, there's no way to not do that on Clubhouse. You got to trade your time. It's mm -hmm. minute for minute. It's you got to show up at work. You got to clock in. Like you got to mm -hmm. actually be there, which is great. But YouTube, as you've experienced, you know, my friends, if you look at Jordan's channel, he just grew by 6,000 subscribers, 50% in this last month, 318,000 views. And the majority of those 318,000 views are not from his new content. It's because he has a library of content. Any smart entrepreneur understands the power of leverage, which means you understand just like real estate on YouTube, when you create good videos, it's like digital real estate, video estate. YouTube is like a fine wine. It gets better with age. So I hope at the end of this, in light of everything else we talked about, you just go all on, all in on YouTube, even if we never talk again. But yeah. if you do want help, you can check me out on social. Uh, you can check out our book, YouTube Secrets, and uh, you can, uh, you know, we're here to help you regardless. You'll be able to find me online. Uh, I am, I'm in a lot of places and easy to find. So Sean Cannell rhymes with YouTube channel. YouTube's the king, man. Clubhouse <laughs> is cool, but YouTube's the king. So uh, it's time to go all in. Sean, thank you so much, bro. Thanks for getting chatty with Platy today. Guys, I'll see you all soon. Cheers for watching.